If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Wow. And listen to that? that This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest and Shelly and Dr. Bruce. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. Hey, <laughs> welcome. Hello. That was like the shadow. It was a very extra special, <laughs> very special intro. <laughs> Fender amp fiber verb. So uh, Bruce and I do weekly infusion. Dr. Bruce, he's uh internist, the ER doctor, Kaiser. addictionologist over at Kaiser. Yeah. Then do, you, do you have a website right now you want to promote or anything? I, I need something to promote. Okay, good. Let's write a book. Uh, let's let's go to Shelly then. Yes, let's write a book. Uh, um, hi. Hey there. How's it going? Good. It's good to be back. Good to see you. It's good to see you. And so you're, you... I miss web- you. I know, Shelly. It's, it, yeah, it only feels like five minutes goes by in between the times we see you. It's exciting. Uh-oh. Somebody's going to adjust your mic there. Okay. There you go. And right. tell us about the where you're working. Okay, so I'm at Bel Air Treatment, and uh, it's an outpatient adult, 18 to, you know, 30-ish. Um, we... Uh, you know, we're doing, you know, three tracks. We have morning, afternoon, and the evening tracks. Wow. So we're we're there fifteen hours a day. And and so we're we're there and then and then we we're able to expand, you know, fortunately we're able to expand into another center which is in West Hollywood on Melrose, which is a lovely location. And that's called Core. And then out of Core, we also opened uh, Pride, which is an LGBTQ program. Right. It's very uh, trauma informed and and very um, very uh, forward and and progressive in in treatment of substance abuse. In addition to substance abuse with special populations. Interesting. And so we're we're going strong there. We're going we're. Pride is amazing. Too, right? I, have a, I have a detox in Encino. Well, how do we do Shelly's this? Running this sound like She's this. running it. Are you the clinical director for all that? Um, no. Okay. No, 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 no. Good. I am the I clinical. I'm, I'm the program director for the detox and for the Bel Air treatment, yeah. which is our in-network mostly in-network um, outpatient insurance program. insurance covers it. I- insurance covers it, but we went in-network, which is really exciting yeah. because the in-network gives us so much more opportunity to have the HMOs come in and the EPOs and, and people who don't have the bigger insurance policies. Do you they know? restrict what you're able to do? You know, they don't really. Um, Weird. I know. We, we're really able to you provide are, we're services all, we're that are just so fantastic. The three of us are used to highly restrictive insurance companies. You know, if, so in other words, if you go to insurance care and you say, we need to give more care, they'll mm-hmm. let you give more care? Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's because they we trust just, you guys. Or? I think well, it's because I, I I've been on the front lines of that. I think it's because they were going bust, paying out of network fees, and they're happy I that people happy. are going in network. They might be. Yeah, they so might is it be day happy. treat? Is it like a it's day treatment? It's day treatment, yeah. So but it's three hours. Um, five days a week, seven days a week. Five days a week, three hours, and we have three different tracks to offer. Um, the additional track with the evening program has been so great because people are now progressing, getting jobs. They're they're moving right. on with their lives, and they're able to still stay in contact with their treatment. Are they living independently? Are they're they starting to get out on their live, own? Absolutely, they're living independently. They're moving forward. They're they're coming in uh, in the evening, and they're able to continue treatment while they're able to function and, and develop. You know, going to school or de- developing their careers, or going back to work, or taking care of you know their families or whatever they need to do, and they're able to still come in and have that tether to treatment. Are a lot of them in sober livings? or A lot of them are in sober livings. Um, and now, you know, with the evening tra- with the evening track, it's really interesting because, you know, I'm, 
I'm getting people who I'm like, okay, give me a plan. What do you want to do? You want to, you know, go to work. You want to come in. Uh, let's work with you. And and we're also able to step them down to OP, which is just two days a week. Are you surprised what you can get done with limited such limited participation? You got to you got to tool down. You've got you can't have limousines and fancy food anymore. Not well. I think we we've definitely had to budget more. No, but I mean, are you, the, are you surprised with things? how much you get done with the patients? Oh, with the patients, we're used to having full control all the time, you know, and mm-hmm. seeing them in over intensive environments. Are, are you surprised? It's with just you? an interesting take on on but, treatment. But How's let that? me. But the, but wait, the, wait, wait, wait. I want to hear this. But like, what's it's an that interesting mean? take because where you have biopsychosocial issues yeah. in outpatient, you didn't necessarily have them when you were working with people inpatient or more hours a day. They're out in the world and they're experiencing, they're coming back and we're developing on, we're developing coping strategies. We're developing And the, the three hours a day, it's in group, right? Group, individual. And so we, we offer individual therapy, psychodynamic, So my, um, my question DBT, was, in, in addition to the three hours, mm-hmm. they're also seeing a therapist or that's part of the no, three hours? No, that's the part of the okay. three hours. And how long is, is it a length of a program or is it tailored to... It's it's based on participation. It's based on their own policies, and then it's based on like what we can do for them. I we tend to really help people out who are highly motivated. Of course, but are they staying a month or two months or it five months sometimes? Yeah, it well, what do you want to say, Bob? You want to say something? Well, it's say. really important to understand that they were the most forward thinking in Southern California. Beller, her partner Paul. Mm-hmm told me a year ago, unless you go in-network, you're really not serving the community. And no one wanted to go in-network because we were fearful of what you just said. We're going to go in-network for 500 a day or, or 250 a day. They're going to dictate to us what we got to do. The market believes you're supposed to live in a fancy house and get free food now. Right, right. You know what I mean? True. And I, I wanted it to go back to the way that it was. The basics. Yeah, back Explain to the basics. network But I didn't want to be the – I was too chicken shit to be the one <laughs> to do it before everything changed. Right. You know what I mean? So, so and Paul – did it before everything changed, and but, it's but very admirable. Well, describe what in network means. Yeah. You, you sign up with an insurance. Is company. you sign? We agree. We have a contract with contract. Blue Cross yeah. or Blue Shield or right. Aetna. Whereas their out of network pays me three or four times as much as that in network. But, but usually is highly restrictive in terms of how long you can keep that patient. Yeah, but you're yeah. Fight, that's why it became the internet wars. Right, right. You've got to get volumes of patients at these high profit or these high costs. And I believe it's why the insurance – so they're the first ones to do it. Bel Air is the first ones I saw do it. It's great. And – Everyone else is going to fall in line. Is the Affordable Care Act and whatever is I was going to ask about Medicaid, yeah, Medicaid, California Care, and is, is that you involved We're with that not, stuff? Or? Yeah, we definitely have have the in network um, Blue Cross Blue Shield and Anthem, but uh, Medicaid, no. There so, are so people Medi-Cal going after that. Though. Is still not something in our wheelhouse, but it is something that That's how you could do is, that. Uh, it just it's one hundred and ten a day. You know, I'm not exactly, and, and, but but. It, but the amount of paperwork required for that is just ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not sure on the federal funding yeah. level that you know we would have to do a lot of re- regrouping. Yeah. But we're we're CARF accredited and JCO accredited, which means that that's we're the wow, only company. They're just the we're real the deal. Only company. And I wanted that's you to know that. I'm loving it. I'm loving no, but everything that's I'm hearing. Ethics above but, but, just being a good treatment center. But here's what here's what's happened to me lately. Is is I've. <laughs> You don't trust the insurance companies. No, That's no. That's one thing. I, I, I've gotten a weirdly, um, even since we were last sitting on this couch, you and I, um, what's the word? I guess impatient or disdainful of of some of the stuff you and I argue about, Bruce, which is you know the sort of medical management of addicts and the replacements and stuff like that. Why the hell? Now, let me, let me back into this conversation this way. I'm imagining as as a contingency of participation in your program, you require people to have a sponsor and do 12-step. Is that true? Mm. <laughs> I require them to be involved in some kind of or, or socially. Or recovery or something. Yeah, socially. Some, some self-help, some mutual aid society. Definitely. Okay. Yes. Why the F 
are we not marketing the fact that mutual aid societies work that have the highest probability of success as any medical management? Well, but we saw that and in New are Jersey. Free. But we saw that in New Jersey, and it's still. I know, it's but a it's a little weird. I, I know it is, and but the and I don't mind a medical. Shelley wasn't there, so explain. They were professionalizing sponsorship role. It was this weird company. It's a great guy named Mike. Mm -hmm. I've been talking to him ongoing since then. Mm -hmm. But basically, it was called Sober Coaching that Mm -hmm. Governor Christie got all interested in. It was an okay idea. Yeah, it was an okay idea. So if you OD'd New Jersey, yeah, New Jersey. If you OD'd New Jersey, you got to sign this government. Work uh, coach. compensated coach. coach. It essentially, was a like a like a. It was like a sponsor. It was like a sponsor, okay. but the, his goal was to enroll you in some sort of mutual aid society, sure. preferably twelve step. Yeah, right. and and that was like okay. But that was weird though. It was weird, but okay. It's like, it, but but it's it's again. Drew did that face when they first grasped hold of what it was, and he was like. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, what happened with it? Are they still doing it? No, or? it fell, it and he's, fell you know, apart Christie's, for the medically managed. Once yeah. Christie got to Washington, D.C., it's all medically managed care. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where they're going. Replacement, right. replacement yeah. therapy. And, and I, I mean, and so... It, no reason for a coach. Uh, and so, and so do you think you need a coach? I think... Okay, so I do a lot of Suboxone because I have to. In my, I have probably 70 people on it right now. But it does. Wait a minute! Work. You're supposed to have 250. What's the matter with you? You're well, way behind. Fortunately, I'm in a system, a great system, mm-hmm. of master's level people, and we work with community groups. But I the tell point patients, is, you couldn't manage 250. If, no physician right, can. No, that's an insane idea. Unless all that's all you do. Unless you had but, a sober coach. <laughs> no, 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 no sober coach. But I require absolute participation in 12 step, and okay. I tell patients if you're if this is. You can't just get this pill for me unless you're working a program. You get drug tested randomly. But doesn't that pollute the waters of what being sober is? No, no, because we'll have a disagreement on this. But I mean, for the for the <laughs> for the relapsing young heroin addict, I think Suboxone is just a bridge to get some. Stability I don't think they're addicts. I'll make a dramatic statement. I don't think they're addicts. There is a cult, so, there is a group that are. So not. He, let me just explain. It, uh, last week I looked up because I started using heroin on a daily basis. It came out the, something I read on the internet in 1985. It piqued my somebody curiosity else. Somebody else was documented. where I was. And like, <laughs> so 1985, I became a daily user intravenously of heroin. So I looked up in 1985 what the estimate of heroin addicts or opiate addicts in America was that year. 558,000. Wow. There are 20 million opiate addicts in America estimated in 2017. So we've got to do something. We need Suboxone. We need sober coaching. We need Shelly. We need everything. We We shouldn't be picking and choosing which is better. I absolutely agree. We need a toolkit. Doesn't that blow your mind? No, it does not. Twenty million people addicted to drugs. Do you know that I found footage of you know when Heath Ledger died? What was that? Two thousand one. That was a long time ago. Okay, I found footage of me on Larry King going. Mm -hmm. You don't understand what's coming. You don't understand it. This Mm -hmm. is the first you're interested in. This is and I use the word. It's a tsunami that's going to roll over this country. I I said I have twenty years of experience with this. We've been seeing this coming, and I'm telling you, it's It's here. It's happening. So now, what do we do about it? Bruce. That was 15, eight, 17 years ago. We 17 th- years ago. We have to throw everything at it. It does not yeah. matter. But, we, but we the have fact to that just free services this. are being disdained, free services that have the highest probability of, of sustaining an abstinence, it, it, it's just ridiculous. But well, you know, I'm a big, component I'm a big, big proponent of 12 stepping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a huge, yeah. huge proponent of, course, of it. Of course. But. Millennials it's don't not, like it. Well, it's not for everyone Correct. because some of the conceptualizations, from my perspective, are not where some 20-year-olds are. They can't develop quick enough to beat the clock for the overdoses. Agreed. That's the I thing totally that agree. I think Suboxone fills in that gap so that we can keep them alive. Yes, I agree with that. Okay, but, that's what, that's what, but he's saying he wants to engage them in the meantime, and I don't have a problem yeah. with that. No, we can engage so, yeah. them. When I present it to my patients, I say, because there, there's all these questions about 12 stuff. I say, look, let, let me cut to the chase. You're, I'm dealing with a lizard brain. Mm-hmm. Your amygdala or your hippocampus, whatever yeah. you want to look at. That's the part that needs to change. And it takes 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. And the way I can recommend 12 steps is it provides a structure 
during, and they said, if you want to quit 12-step after 12 to 18 months, we'll talk about it then. But sure. for, it's going to save your life. The Suboxone is mm-hmm. not going to save your life. That's mm-hmm. a, And my team, everybody's on the same I page. I wish there was a Suboxone Great. AA yeah. because, but, because I'm in AA. And that, to me, I don't like people lying because their doctors told them, don't tell people what you're on. Oh boy. You're telling people to lie in an, in saying, an organ. No, that. no. No, the we doctors, do need. We do we need, need some we need sort of Suboxone version of it. We yeah. need that to be transparent because when you get into some dishonesty around Anything. what medications you're taking, yeah. you can't fully engage. Yeah. Right. But there's, there's a, a cognitive dissonance, a craziness going on right now. I have, I'm, and it seems like when Trump got elected, polarization, when Suboxone and medication assisted treatment has been polarized. I have people Absolutely. in sober livings taking patients, taking my patients off of Suboxone. Of course. I have patients, I have I more, more and more residential. That's the danger of putting the Suboxone population in with the truly abstinent population. That's exactly why not. But if it's a medication, I'm a physician. If somebody has hypertension, I have them on a certain medication. Another patient would be contraindicated and they don't. It's none of their business to take people on or off of anything. That's up to the physician. One other question. Residential treatment, I'm having more and more problem placing patients because the residential treatment will say we don't take anybody on Suboxone. So they're going to change that tune as soon as they but, but, face but, bankruptcy. But, but what's wrong with having abstinence only programs? <laughs> and, and, and harm reduction programs. Sure. That's what I'm saying side yeah. by side. Here's an interesting thing. Not many people know this. Dr. Drew, yeah. 25 years ago, you and I were hanging out, and I was shocked when you said that you prescribed benzos to some of your patients because I always knew you as the addiction guy, yeah. right? Yeah. So would you recommend back then when you're prescribing benzos to a, an alcoholic woman to go to AA and, and that would help her? Because that's basically the same premise. I don't prescribe ben- I don't know what you're talking about. You told me that you prescribe benzos in your private practice sometimes to Not when to it's appropriate. Oh, oh, very, I very. But for detox. For detox and very no, rarely. No, an ongoing for when it's appropriate for some of the women around San Marino. Not not addicts. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, how yeah. do you determine? I've, I'm pretty good at telling when somebody's an addict or not. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> Let's hope. I, but but there, are, there are, like, for instance, a very common population is elderly patients. As people get very old, they can become... They can unravel. Their their brain is less able to – this is what I was talking about. I remember this conversation. The brain is less able to sort of bridle itself, and and they're just overwhelmed all the time. As one of my friends called, they're spilkas all the time. They're always like (laughs) – We had this discussion (laughs) – I remember when we had this discussion on Love Lines, and I was sober at the time. Shocked that Dr. Drew prescribed benzos. He's the devil. We're talking about (laughs) – We're talking about 80 you – know. And, and by the way, there's a huge risk. We're not risk. talking about anyone you know. And there's a huge risk in this population too because they can fall, they can get mm-hmm. confused, they can they can have worsening cognitive dysfunction. But there's a certain sweet spot when you can use a little bit of clonopin and it keeps them kind of right. glued together for a while. You want to get them off it as they get older, but you use a little bit of that for a while and a non-addict is like, you know, it's therapeutic. It's so, a, it dramatically improves their life and it doesn't really add any risk. You ever done that, yes. Bruce? And, yeah. But the pendulum has swung so far in the direction of zero opiates even for chronic pain patients to to hammer everything's a nail and then no benzos if there's any addiction history there was just a i think a paper that came no out benzos. saying let's look at this more carefully yeah because I, I, they've done it many i've been through many cycles of that the benzos and addicts though and listen i just i have a patient i think you know her uh, just today, you know, she has horrible tardive dyskinesia and anxiety with the tardive dyskinesia, and she gets mm-hmm. better when she drinks or when she's on benzos. And a mm-hmm. well-meaning neurologist wanted to put her on benzos, and she was like, "Yes." Yeah, I went, well, "No, do right. not." Mm-hmm. Within twelve hours, full relapse. Right. Yeah. Full right. relapse. Well, the thing is with with the understanding of benzos is that if you are an addict, benzos don't really work for you. As prescribed. 10 or 12 right. of them do. Exactly. <laughs> so that's the problem yeah, is that yeah. when you are right. an addict, they don't work yeah. in recommended doses. Yeah. So Good then point. you have all of the problems. You have the withdrawal symptoms that are rebound anxiety. You have panic attacks. You, you're Now you're having to take more. You're doctor shopping. Now it puts but you in. I see in. a lot of these millennial boys addicted to benzos. Really interesting. Zanny. Zanny's in Zannies and heroin. That's what well, that little is, yeah. that's, that's what a little deadly combo. But that's so deadly. Deadly combo. Deadly. Jesus. But you, you, we, we've skipped over a topic that you 
percolated up with here a minute ago, which I think is important, is that I think we have a gigantic population of opiate-dependent, non-addicted That's patients. That's what I think. Yeah. I think just because they're physically addicted... And you addicted, can't tell. It's hard to tell who they are when they're in their You can when you ask their family history. Yep, yep. The, mm-hmm. I'm talking... I've met these people's parents. Now, I know they've been to 10 rehabs. Yeah. But I don't think they're drug addicts in the way that Shelly and I are drug addicts. That's right. And they're being treated like Shelly and I drug addicts. Let's take a quick break. Okay. We'll we'll talk about what that difference is when we get back. We're so pleased to welcome Hydrolyte back to the program. Hydrolyte is not only a product that I can safely recommend to you. It is something that I use, and Susan, my first lady of love, our producer, uses just about every day. And it is simply the best oral rehydration product I've ever tried, that I've ever seen, I wish I'd invented it myself, and there are many reasons you should keep some around. This is the time of year it is impossible to avoid getting sick, cold, flu, stomach bugs, and I think everyone knows we're in the middle of a big influenza season. They can knock you out, but staying hydrated, particularly if you get sick, is very important. Even if you manage to avoid these pathogens, your schedule is half as busy as mine. Getting in your eight glasses of water a day isn't just going to happen. And if you're working out regularly, you definitely run the risk of getting a little dehydrated, and this keeps your volume up. The beauty of Hydrolyte, whether you're sick or not, you can absolutely benefit from the proper balance of sodium, glucose, and water. Hydrolyte does this better than sports drinks or water alone. I know you're used to using sports drinks. This is better. I'm telling you, as a physician, I can vouch for that. Hydrolyte comes in flavors like orange, berry, and lemonade, available in a premixed drink, a powder, or what I like, the effervescent tablet. You can simply drop in a bottle of water, and then you've got it. Compared to sports drinks, Hydrolyte delivers up to four times the electrolyte with 75% less sugar. Hydrolyte solutions are appropriate for all ages, and each bottle of package includes easy-to-follow dosing instructions. You can find Hydrolyte at Rite Aid or online at Amazon. Also, for a limited time, our listeners can save 30% on Hydrolyte. Just click the banner on our website, drdrew.com. Use the code DRDREW18. That's drdrew18 at checkout. And you will save 30% on Hydrolyte, and it's silly not to do it. That's Dr. Drew 18. Hey, we're back, and we're talking about the difference between a non This may seem confusing to people, but some people get strung out on a drug, look like an addict, behave because like an addict. if you need money, you're going to look well, like a drug addict but, for but, a little but, while. But if well, you, right. defi- yeah, yeah. definitely. You it, do it, have <laughs> a lot of behaviors, yeah. but... But if you stop using and you're not a drug addict, you stay you stopped. Stay stopped. You stay See, stopped. and I think yeah. sending them you to AA stopped. makes them encouraged to use more. Or use something else. To be involved with yeah. other... To take That's a non- such a projection on your part, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Some I people think- go to a meeting and they go, this really isn't for me, and they walk away, Bob. <laughs> I know, but the kids were forcing to go because they're in treatment. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. One thing I know about addicts, do not try to force them to I, do anything. I will tell you something. And by the way, the data the data on the 12-step outcomes in terms of sustained abstinence, again, it's as good as any professional mm-hmm. intervention, as good as or better than any professional intervention, unless – they're forced to go. Right. Then it does less well. Okay, and, so and if the court sends them, they do poorly. Right. Give me some advice right now, Shelly, okay. because I'm in the process of trying to copy you and Paul <laughs> and going to go have, create an in-network. Our Silver Lake thing's going to be in-network, right? Okay. And we're having a meeting last week about it, right? And it was about 12 steps. And I said, they get in the fucking van and go to the meetings or they get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. As the old buddy Arnold came yeah, out yeah, at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I, I can And still to go hear that, that you're running an in-network mm-hmm. place and you're mm-hmm. still being cool to them? Why are you doing that? Um, because it doesn't work, and because I like longevity in my own sanity. Okay, um, I'm Drew. Not, you like my I, approach, right? I'm, I do. I mean, I'm not. I know. I understand. It, I, I understand. It just doesn't. It, it doesn't do me any good. Um, you fight the fights you can't fight. But I sometimes, do. but sometimes when you have a contained environment, you can't. You're talking about a more residential setting. Right? Yeah. They, well, sober living without patients. Yeah. I mean, they that's get a, everything. You have a little more control than it's well, like. Can, nobody, don't don't just get in the van. Nobody thinks that. I mean. I think it works 100% of the time when you want it you, to work 100% it. of that's the time right. and you do it. That's right. If that's not the case, is it going but to work? That's fine when we have 558,000 drug addicts. When we okay. have 20 million, <laughs> uh-huh. it's a bummer. <laughs> and and be, beware, our profession, Bruce, every time we've gotten into an opiate crisis, we've, we've sort of gone, mm, well, let's just make sure no, get, get no new ones. And they let mm-hmm. the old ones die. Right. And I don't think we should do that this time. What do you think of marijuana replacement? I'd prefer it. What do you mean marijuana replacement? If 
the, there's a lot of kids. Uh, I don't know. Oh, for pot, for opiates yeah, to marijuana. Yeah, this this kind of medically managed marijuana as a replacement for opiate addiction. In a well, what do you mean medically managed? What do you mean by that? There's a place called High Sobriety here oh, yeah, in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, there's, Have you there's heard the, of, it? of course, I've heard of that. I've also heard of well, 420 friendly, um, oh, interesting. Four, 420 friendly um, treatment centers. 420. The, the only problem friendly. with that is it, we don't have enough data to really know what we're doing. No, there. we don't yeah. know. I, we have I, no but, idea what. In That's principle, like. biologically, in principle, I'd prefer it, uh, and I don't object to it. I just can't recommend it because mm-hmm. I don't have the data to be able to know of wh- course. what that is. And that's exactly yeah. the, t- the take that I have on yeah. it. I said, listen, you guys don't want to take your psychotropics. You don't want to take this. It. We have of friends course. that have done it. So you have, I, I you and I have I two don't friends. Rail, I do not rail against it at all. What do you think of our two friends that were heroin addicts with us mm-hmm. that don't go to AA, aren't sober, mm-hmm. and been smoking weed for mm-hmm. 25 years? What do you think of them? I, I think just, they're doing all right. Great. If that's the kind of lifestyle they would like to lead. Do you know the two people I'm talking about? No, I do not. But I will tell you, Bob. They're I, musicians. I know. And so, Shocking. So, so here's what I know. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. They're I can't function on weed. So I don't – whatever don't like is good weed. for other people, I can't stand weed. They can't and function. It, it they can't function either. it distorts my motivations. Right. And I don't want to be part of that's right. that. They, they can't function either. They're just rich. And so right. they don't have to so worry great. about it. So great. Oh, come that's on. Right. That's why go, they don't have to – Go eat at noon. <laughs> <laughs> And they also don't have kids that they're primarily responsible for. They have kids, but they're kids. Yeah, they're not primary. primary. That was a nice way of putting it, primary responsible for. And, and they're rich, and so they so whatever, and they're not relapsing. So, okay. That's just not right. my lifestyle, you that's know? Not, that's not a thriving. That's not oh, I mean. you're thinking Willie Nelson. There's a third I'm, person, I'm, Willie, I'm, Nelson, Willie Nelson, too. I'm not thinking of Willie Bob Nelson. Is, I know who you're talking about. Bob and, is, is pulling a page out of Willie Nelson's <laughs> and, and here's the deal. I'm interested. I'm, I, and, and no no disrespect for anybody that wants to do things differently, and I'm not telling people how to live their life. But I'm interested in helping people thrive. I'm interested in which that. is always the the goal that that I have for my guys over. I don't over think your friends are thriving. Is, is like I would like to see them. No. I think they're getting meet along. their potential. Yeah, yeah. To to thrive to to flourish. I, I'm interested in that, and, and it doesn't interest me to. And to I'm also interested in uh, in people. Like I'm interested in what makes this whole community better not just the individual and what what, what i the whole community like i stay sober and clean a lot for myself but a lot for others well this this is my other point that now you bring that up and you you stay sober for others and it helps you thrive and flourish absolutely. right absolutely and and this is the thing about 12 step that it's, nobody it's seems to get it's citizenry responsibility it, it's it's what humans it's what makes me happiest a- absolutely. when I'm able to and, do and that. All, and all the all the the therapy, all the the research out there on what happiness is and happiness mm-hmm. works, it, it always harkens back to the stuff Shelley's talking about here. And here's the reality: there aren't, there isn't enough dollars in the national debt and the national budget to pay for, and there aren't enough professionals to pay them sufficiently to sit on addicts the way they need to be sat on to get well. And, but people and in recovery and guided pe- and mentored and loved there and is having not, it compassion. Doesn't ex- there's not enough of it. And by the way, the motivation if you're paying people is a little different than what Shelly's talking about. But there are armies of people like Shelly that will sit on somebody who's struggling, will stay with them and spend God knows, you know, of a God knows number of hours, of a God knows hours, and that's in there. the fulfillment. And it's your fulfillment it as well as my fulfillment, and it's free, and right? It's, but I think, and it's such, it's so, it has brought me along to as a human being in ways that I don't think weed or okay. or benzos or booze. For, before you go, phones, may, may I just say, I just don't think it exists in that, that way. What, what she's talking about is why I'm interested in this field. Otherwise, right. I'm not very interested. I'm never interested in suboxone and pod maintenance stuff. They, people could have, well, sure. go, go. Sure. I'm interested in what she's talking about. I Real too. thriving. What I was going to say, though, the value of a treatment program, I think, the, is introducing people to a 12-step. Now, when you say mm-hmm. if you force somebody to go to 12-step like DUI classes, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. And what I find I'm doing a lot of time, I had a patient yesterday, and I've she's a CE, she works for a Fortune 500 company, and she said, I, I need help understanding what this is going to be. Mm-hmm. And if, if she didn't have a treatment program where there was myself and the therapist we have, 
if she just sent her to a meeting, she would have she just rejected it. it. Well, so, that, but but enrolling in twelve step it should be part of your right. professional responsibility. Right. Getting people enrolled in that and understanding it and coaching them up. That's right. Great. Because a four week program, an eight week program, unless you give them, it's like teaching the person how to fish rather than giving them a fish. Or that's whatever. right. So, but not. I don't know that all programs do that. And there's there's no continuity or consistency. I'm just saying the fact that twelve step or mutual aid societies have been condemned and vilified and stuff is. Mm-hmm. An anathema. It's insane. They're being well. Let's let's be clear who when they're being free condemned services by. can they're be rendered being, to the American they're public. They're being condemned right. because they're seen as a, a religion, a, as in the way. Well, yeah, religion, but that's in a personal level. But I think this institutional attack, Drew, that's gone on, yeah. is because they, the big pharma, Suboxone company from England, sees it as an obstacle, as an either or. I don't see it as an either, either don't, or, don't. and that's not how you're Bruce seeing no. it. No. But no. the, I think they're a little naive about what America is. Yeah, but the company's not doing it. The government is. Well, you, they're the ones subsidizing it. Mm-hmm. Here's a new thing. You'll love this, Bruce. So in this figuring out that there's 20 million opiate addicts, I said most of them are pov- live in poverty, mm-hmm. right? When you look at the Rust Belt, that's mm-hmm. where a huge amount of the opiate oh, epidemic yeah. is. Um, so most of them are Medicaid people, right? Oh, Even if Medicaid were willing to pay $500 a month for them to be on Suboxone, that's $2 billion, that's, that's $2 billion yeah. A, yeah. a month yeah. forever. Yeah. It's that's insane. a lot of dough. It's insane. As opposed to, let's send them somebody who can enroll them in 12-step for free. And so much more fulfilling because... But I think the government's looking at it as a a cost reduction. But one of the aspects of addiction that we get caught up in discussing is the drug, the brain, the biology, that aspect. But there's a whole level of chronic emptiness that needs to be fulfilled, not with a Suboxone strip... But with people with like-minded and common positive regard for addicts, is this compassion. A new, is, is this a new orientation you have, or have you always had this and it's become no? More I have more, always I had this, but it's more that. clear to me. Yeah, that's now. what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Because much more clear to me now. Because our society is broken. I don't think there's anybody that says this society is awesome, <laughs> right? So I, something I broke. It. Something broke. Now my personal life is awesome. Yeah. But I get sad when I look at the divisiveness, the yeah. lack of opportunity, yeah. all the BS that goes on. Yeah. And I think we have a whole generation of kids who live in that. Yeah, yeah. They're sensitive. They're and absorbing they're it. so mm-hmm. absorbing yeah. it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I say anything's possible, dude, you could go to Costa Rica right now. Mm-hmm. They don't. They, mm-hmm. they, well, no, it, it does inspire the rant. Here's what I think. It inspires the drug addicts out of the milieu of the thousands of people I see. And they get excited excited. because Mm -hmm. they click with that emptiness that she's talking about. If you've had it your whole life, if it's not just a learned environmental social media acclimated thing, but it's a true emptiness that AA describes, Mm -hmm. when somebody comes along and talks positively about what their life was like, what happened and what their life is like now – the real addicts will go, fuck yeah, I want to follow him. I want that. Yeah. Whatever I want that, that is, that. I want to do yeah. that. Yeah. And Which what, is what inspired me yeah. because of that level of chronic emptiness that needed to be fulfilled. But I also needed to get honest about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's a lot of places in America where you can get honest about how you really are experiencing yourself and your place in the world. She's talking about political correctness on a certain. No, point. no, she's singing singing a song that I've been. been no, but the, let's get. But the I've been humming for quite some the time. The beauty of it is that I every day have the opportunity to interface with people from all over the country, and for me to model positive regard for myself and for them, and to have the compassion and have the beauty and the joy and really love them through that. That is what I've gained from being in all of these 12-step thousands and thousands and but thousands does, and thousands of Does it take having to recover from a substance to get to that point? Because what I notice, the kids mm-hmm. coming up now, there's yeah. digital immediate gratification. Sure. There's an acceptance of cannabis and mm-hmm. alcohol that I've never seen before. Right. It's a baseline acceptance. Mm-hmm. And there, this creates a huge number of people that wouldn't have been exposed mm-hmm. that are going to become addicted. But how mm-hmm. do you get to the 
when they're younger, when the um, adolescent population. We need hope and optimism in our society, and we need a leader to rise up and start not BSing like Obama did about hope, but actually bringing hope and and. And the, and the compromise to our society, the way that we've been used the last 15 years in this divisive nature has destroyed a whole generation of kids. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take many years, I think, to really overcome what these despondent folks come in with no hope and with, with a lot of lies and misinformation about themselves and about their place in the world and their well, hopelessness. Give me an example of that. Give me an example of that. The, the level of, of looking up to people with money, property, prestige, fame, fame and fortune, still, and, feeling, oh, and feeling so inadequate, in that inadequate and, and empty and envious and yeah. thinking, they what's the themselves. point? They what's the themselves. point? What's the point of trying? Oof. And then I come in and I'm like, here's the point of trying. You have no idea what you can manage. You have no idea what you can do. We need to get you over here. We need to take your head. We need to reprogram Don't you wish you were it. in her treatment center? We she is the best. We just wish we could like, reprogram it, and then we can take a look. Let's Think about take a that. look at this. A couple hours, Shelly, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what, no, but that's what I do. I, I did a group on Tuesday. I asked a young girl, like, she was wanting to hurt herself and she's unhappy and whatever. And I, I said, well, what do you want to do with your life? What do you, what do you dream of? What do you, I don't know. What did, do you want to do? She didn't, she didn't. She didn't and have we've, any. we've parented. Millions of millennials, us baby boomers, are responsible, and the yep. Gen Xers okay, are responsible. Wait. I am not a baby boomer. You're a Gen Xer. <laughs> Let's get serious. Gen Xers. We, Bob and I, we have three of us are baby boomers. Baby yeah. boomers. All right, yeah. you guys so we have parent, raised we millions. Parented, <laughs> we, it's true. It's we true. parented. It was under our watch yeah. that this hopelessness came on a generation of kids, and we're responsible for it. That's my feeling. No, there's no doubt about it. There's no and doubt so, about it. so I'm looking for a leader. I don't know who it is. They're coming, though, what, Bruce. What, they're coming. Yeah, I'm <laughs> waiting, too. What qualities, Bob, should that person have? What are you looking for? Honesty. I, I, honesty. Compassion. Yeah. But anybody that's vulnerable and open is going to get destroyed today. The, the guillotines are out, man. Which is, which is definitely a factor. However, I do it's, feel it's like in numbers. The Committee of Public Safety is out. The P- Committee of Un-American Activity is out it's in the Internet. Mm-hmm. The numbers of what? I'm sorry, Shelley. I feel like when we we all stand, you know, together in a position from a, a place of compassion and empathy, truly, we have, there is no bounds to that. We can overcome anything. And it, I don't think it matters. It's just a place to come from where people can't dig in and they can't undermine it. That's, but I, I don't disagree with you at all. I'm just trying to think how a leader does that. Without the mechanism for it's that. A, yeah, it's a movement. Because I don't think it's one person. But it's a movement. Well, I love that. But one person, that. One person one represents person. a movement. Trump represents something. It's an anger and a frustration. Right. He's, he's, a, he's a wrecking ball. He, he's, 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 he's a murder weapon. He's something. A very so bad now, heritage. shouldn't the <laughs> pendulum swing to the other side where there's a, a representative of this centrist idea? Yes. I think it's John Kasich myself. I would vote okay. for him for president. He's a Republican. I've never voted for a Republican in my life, Bruce, just so but, you know. Do you, on do you any even level. know any Republicans? <laughs> I know John Kasich. Okay. I would vote for him. But, but I don't think you're – that's a, what I sort of – Centrist that's ideas. That's a politician. I'm not sure it's the kind of leader you look for. No, no centrist ideas, commonsensical no, ideas, you. that it's crazy the guillotines, that it's crazy that I have a bigger nuclear button than you, that some centrist sanity – well, be, a movement, a, be a movement. Be a movement. You don't I, think I so? No, no, I agree with that. I just, I'm, I'm thinking it about it's kind of boring. Oh, <laughs> right. No, I think it's well, very, I think people, well, you know, it's so much projection of what's going on with us internally. And yes. this projection yes. on all of our societies. Yes. We have to really move into what am I doing? Stop focusing on what everybody else is doing and how they're not doing this or doing that. Focus on what I'm doing. Okay, let me, how let me am just say, I coming I through? I completely agree with you. But but I, the problem is, is that when we agree all the time, we don't get to get together very often. Because <laughs> it's boring. But here's my, right. Here's my problem. I, I, in that book I wrote on narcissism, I predicted 
that there would be a French pre-French revolutionary style public safety committee. I, I, okay. I, I knew the guillotines were going to come. Coming. I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Because that's what narcissists do when they get together. They mm-hmm. form a mob mm-hmm. and they find a sacrificial thing. Mm-hmm. They scapegoat and they take all their aggression. Sure. What happens after envy. that? Right. Post. A, a big leader emerges. A leader usually emerges. That's what I'm saying. And, and the, the, the fear, the concern is that leader can be someone, you know, that's where Napoleon came in, whatever. Uh, or it could be something good. And the question is, if it's something good, it's got to be kind of exciting and gratifying and all the mm. things that narcissists like because they're still narcissists. Sure. Uh, and you have to convert all that energy into a – like you're, exactly the direction you're talking about, but it has to come through some sort of leadership. And I don't know what okay. that would look like yet. I just don't know. Well, I've noticed in, in because I've become um, a, a program director and I didn't have experience with leading and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I – I sat back and I waited to see how the leadership was going to unfold and develop. And what I noticed is is that the less that I try to have my hands in everything, the less I try to do with the staff, the more they rise to the occasion Mm -hmm. or dismiss themselves. Or get out. I don't have to do anything. I just have to model and support and either the folks come up to the level, like they were super grateful that you came to speak to to us. And things do change. Just one, two-hour talk can inspire a year's worth of clinicians well, that, you know, but to do something. Inspiration and, and, and is another in. thing. Inspiration. So what mm-hmm. I try to do with, the, with that drug addict population that rises out of the population I'm working with is try to inspire them. Like – You've always had a place to live. When I got sober, I didn't even have a place to live. I didn't even have any front teeth. When you start talking to them like that, which is basically the AA way, yeah. they're shocked. They're, they're used to being talked to by medical professionals and clinicians and how are you feeling today. But when you share with them, like, dude, anything's possible. Look mm-hmm. at my – you could have a really interesting, good, fulfilling life. Yeah. If you just stop taking heroin, I don't even want to talk about heroin anymore. You know what I mean? Well, now it's 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 so significant that you say that because I bring everybody in my office that comes through the door for the most part to see if they're in the right place. They have the appropriate sort of abilities to function within the milieu. Because there's that a lot of freedom right and place. responsibility there. So I, I want to make sure they're in the right place. I bring them in, and I a lot of times will counsel them, just as a program director, will counsel them right on the spot, just like that, get them engaged. Can I engage you? Are we interested? Are we interested in this thing? Are you interested in your life? Are you interested in your life? I, you know, I, you know what they're thinking is: Are you an interesting enough object for me to get engaged? You have to be sure. an interesting object. No, you have to, to use yourself. Yeah. You have yeah. to use yourself Absolutely. for sure, right? Absolutely. And but, this is the same thing we're talking about here, but right? Fortunately now. for me, I'm just quirky enough, and I'm just weird enough, and I'm just yeah, you're, you're funny an enough to get most of their sort of attention. Can so, you teach other people to do that? Because that's what you're the saying problem. is where you That's need. the thing that's hard. And and is it different mm. now than it was 20 years ago? Is there more narcissism in the cult in culture yes. such that approaching people therapeutically is different than it was? Yes. It yes and different. yes. Yes it and yes. Different. But the three of us have been doing what we've been doing forever. No, but <laughs> I determined I put something in a more modern context at Allo where I work is that I told the staff time and time again I supervise it that just Treat every patient with respect and dignity, right? That's something that you taught me at Los Encinas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of They're treatment sick. professionals They're where sick. I come from, you don't Tear treat them, them with first. dignity yeah, yeah, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that seems to work. And I had a simple rule, just be cool, be cool to your peers, be yeah. cool to the clients. <laughs> and that kind of works in a general way. You certainly have to tinker with it. And, and I've seen people that worked at CryHelp for 10 years adopt this new way of treating th- because they see it be more effective. It yeah, is sure. but definitely more effective. And, and again, narcissism. But I still think they but, need to get in the fucking van. Okay. <laughs> sure, sure. And and then I was talking to somebody who I guess I tried to talk to out of somebody out of leaving Los Encinas when he was 18 years old. I don't know. Yeah. It was just like 10 years ago. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. But he, I was talking to him on the phone and he has like seven years or something and cool. he's like in a treatment program do, working and, and Great. running things. Awesome. And he, he was eight, he was 18 at the time. And I said, he said, you talked to me, you tried to talk me out of leaving AMA. And I said, well, how'd I do? <laughs> like, did I do well? He's like, no, you did really well, but I wasn't trying to hear it at 18. 
Yeah. And I said, yeah, well, I'm glad that I had that opportunity because now you're making a difference in our lives and in our culture and in our city. And you're trying to do this thing. And maybe it didn't work when you were 18, but shortly after that, you know, you were able to, to benefit, you know, from the, the program and benefit from, you know, being sober and clean. And, and he said, he said, yeah. And I said, you know, that great interaction, you're still remembering how that interaction was. And that person at the time didn't really care about that interaction, but now reflection and reflecting back on that interaction, he had enough interest to bring it up to me when I called him on the phone. Right. And then yesterday I had this guy call me to ask about treatments for Medicare. And I'm like a walking encyclopedia of like, you know, programs for them. I'm like, okay, Redgate, Rena B, Tarzana treatment, call uh, American Hospital, this, that. And so he said, oh, so you remember me? And I said, yeah. I said, you know, I remember people by their symptoms, which I don't know if you guys are experiencing this, but the the people I, I see, I'm like, oh, yeah, you were the guy with the esophageal, oh, yeah. um, you know, and I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, you were, the, oh, no, you're the person who got the really bad infection in yes. your arm. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, sure, that's like, that's, and I don't know what this means, that's but, clinical stuff. but I was that's cracking clinical. up because I'm literally like remembering these people. And he sent me this, um, this sobriety clock, you know, and he has over three years. And I said, wow, you have over well over a thousand days and and he said i hope you like remember that like it was really important and i said you know please keep me updated on your sobriety because that's what makes my job doable one more day yep right that's exactly right Absolutely. and i'm like that's what i need yeah i'm the same to way. keep going it's exact same way is like oh you aren't dying you're benefiting yeah you're not dying today well, let, of esophageal bleed let me take this this conversation a slightly different direction is it that addicts are always sort of the most sensitive population to what's going on in our world, whatever society they happen to be living in. And now they're reflecting something about American society. And the thing, the, the emptiness you're talking about has always been, in addition to it being an interpersonal emptiness and a lack of trust and a lack of filling with other people, and a lack of attunement for other people, and a lack of development of the emotional landscape and all the stuff we talk about. But there's another piece that I think might help in the leadership part. I don't know. But it's a part that I understand least about recovery, which is the spiritual uh, vacuum, the pure, spiritual emptiness. Mm-hmm. If, if you really looked at this country and, and understood it as a gigantic spiritual vacuum right mm-hmm. now, that would kind of make sense the way I've – the way those kinds of issues have expressed themselves through addict patients. Is, have, they have helped me understand what that is. Mm-hmm. I have trouble articulating what it is. I don't really fully get it. It's that but, thing that – to me, it's that thing that Shelley was talking about, this community. The, no, this – this meaning of my life through my interaction and part of humanity. That's right. That is spirituality and, and, to and, me. And I agree with you. And, and understand that now, even when we get into political dialogue, we can't even say to somebody who disagrees with us, well, can't we as a human understand together? No, we can't. Right. We can't even – we can't have a shared humanity even because you're not human if you don't agree with me. Mm-hmm. So, so to mm-hmm. me, that's the deepest – Dehumanizing. The deepest example of the spiritual vacuum that we are in. And, the and so And so – yes. And so when I look at leaders, I mean, where do, where do people with spiritual maladies go? They go to like Tony Robbins. They go to like – I know. It's so some, weird. It's I have the, a client that goes to Tony Robbins. I'm okay. like, dude, what are you yeah, fucking right, thinking? Right. That's the opposite. <laughs> they must have a lot of money. That's the, <laughs> but that's the opposite of what they need. If I had to look, if I had to say well, the converse of what I'm looking for in a leadership, I'd go. Well, that guy is the opposite of what I think. I don't want egos leading me. But they, I'm but he, tired of egos. Raz, I studied it because my friend got into it. It's he arousal. Raw rocks. Arousal. Cheerleads right. you. Yeah, it's that everything. You're going to walk through the raindrops. Yeah, you just are because you walk met on, me. Walk on coal. <laughs> how about how about we? But again, we, it's that we. arrogance and that ego. Yeah. It's like who I am. Just I'm nothing without you. It's. Fu- Okay. Okay. Well, but the things start where you look for leaders that start thinking. Like, and I'm not am, saying religious. I'm just saying no, spiritual. No, spiritual. Yeah. People who have a strength and a calmness and a passion for the common good of our whole. Everybody. That's right. And, that's but they, what but, we need. But they have to be that's interesting right. enough. Here's, the way you're interesting a, enough to these people. But to, there's, to, an interesting, to group there's an interesting thing going on, Drew. The yeah. people that have dedicated their lives to this, this being a part of this community, are getting out. They're leaving the United States. A friend of mine, just she's been one of the most greatest 
benevolent helpers of the city of Los Angeles, underprivileged people. Yeah. And she's just like, I can't do it anymore. I'm yeah. 60 years old. I'm, I can't yeah, do it I anymore. I get that. And well, that, we but the so exhaustion of that. No, mm-hmm. more of us need to be doing it. Yeah, sure. yeah. Sure. I, okay, I would always agree that I can do more. Facebook Live has some questions for us. Go ahead, there you go. Producer Susan. What is it? Please give me your opinion on Ming Da. I'm thinking it must be horrible, even though you can buy it in a store. Never heard of it. M A E N G, and then D A. Is it Kratom? Kratom. Is it Kratom? Kratom. I, don't right? I don't know what that is. So Kratom. Brand, no, I don't know what this. It's a brand. Name. I think it's a brand, it's a, of a brand of Kratom. Oh, okay, well, it's What's, opiate. Any opiate is an opiate. Yeah. It's not really an opiate. It's a weak opiate. It's yes. from the coffee plant. It's a mu agonist, and it also it's, it's has mu caffeine like o- opiate agonist. Right. That's it. But they're, they're using weak. it. They don't they're use it in that way, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a patient in a weird way. Fifteen thousand bucks a month. There's a sexual component to it too. It's just open. It's like a speedball. So you can get addicted to it. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And they're using it to get over and around. It's from the coffee plant. So you get the stimulant effect and a mu agonist. I think I need some. Okay. So So stay away away from it. What is your thought on. Order some for Susan. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) What is your thoughts on Ibogaine as treatments for those who qualify medically? I met a guy the other day that did it, and he had that amazing Experience. experience you're supposed to have. How long did it last? He's, right. He'll do it like seven months ago. Okay, he'll be. I he'll, met he'll, him a week ago. He will relapse within the next month. That that's the time course I see. How long does it last? What's that's six, six to eight months. It's a it's a very powerful hallucinogenic that gives that does. Sort but of, guess what he said? An interesting thing. He always hated AA before the experience. Now he, now he doesn't it. mind AA. Oh, that's interesting. Well, well it, I think it may have have reset some of the uh, what is the the dopamine? No, oh, no, it's like it's the amygdala. It, we, we really don't know how it works. Seems honestly. to have affected his personality. It, it, There's it, some it, amygdala. There is sort something. Of yeah, there is. It aspect. does affect their personality. That's, more, look, more, that's what scares you know. the shit out of you. Right. Yeah, because you don't know <laughs> because, what it's going to do. Right, because like, no you're, you're going, you're, you're making It can a, make Ted, Ted Bundy, too. It, it's not It measurable. made him like AA better. Well, the that's point what he is, reported to me. And that is something right. that people do report after these hallucinogenic experiences. They feel more communal and more connected to things. But Connection. Here, but here's what we're saying is that their personality may be permanently changed. Meaning and their, we're not sure. Meaning their brain is permanently changed. And we're putting a value judgment on that, saying, "Well, they're better now," and and then letting it go. Like I don't, I don't think we should be changing people's personality with a chemical. No, I think that's <laughs> that, that, is, that is scary. No, I, I, do, I do think that yeah. it is extremely unregulating as well. Yeah. You, it can go either way. You took. Yeah. I'm telling you, I met one guy this week. It was the weirdest. I, I've thing seen people stay sober eight months. People, yeah, I've had people make some progress. Yeah. yeah. I've had people pay the ten to twenty thousand bucks. Would I tell sure. them? You know, I don't argue whether or not it changed their. Uh, vision of the world, but I say you're not going to maintain that unless yeah. you do the. Tw- you're an right. addict unless yeah. you do the twelve right. steps. Right. They're doing it here. Oh, in they're LA. doing it oh, all over. Oh, Dave yeah. Navarro they're, is a big fan of that, right? Oh, right. Is he? no, 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 no. Navarro, Navarro's doing a different thing. Okay. There's microdosing uh, LSD. We had the guest on that on. Oh was, yes, I have my microdosing LSD. I have my uh, um, using uh, research chemicals and microdoses to engage their intellectual curiosity. Oh, to you have I, friends doing that or clients? No, 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 clients, clients, clients. clients. I don't have any friends. People. Come on. Okay, here's a question. That sounds like Michelangelo's. <laughs> no, Do you have friend. to have a family history to be an addict? Yes. Yes. It, it doesn't have to, it may be so oh, wait. I would say to be no. physically addicted you don't right to be an addict you do that, I hope we made a, that distinction well this Did, one says I don't know have any active addicts in my family for generations but I am but absolutely an to, addict but you have to look at addiction from religion. a broader perspective religion is how it's it came not through Shelley just drugs yeah. religion no 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 booze I'm I'm Irish your mom, and your I, mom though. Uh, yeah, but that wasn't even. That's, if you're if you're Irish, that's Scottish, limited. I'm Irish, <laughs> Scottish, North American, Welsh. Indian, I mean, Welsh. You, you no, but when people at, say my heritage. parents weren't alcoholics because they didn't drink out of a brown paper bag, I always say, well, are they overly oh, no, we, religious? I have, and they always are. No, I have many, many actual addicts like Full cigarettes, addicts. Yeah. alcohol, speed, me- like. Everything. Many, teetotaling many. rigid family structure has the same risk of an alcoholic parent 
in terms of the offspring becoming alcohol. Is that and that's that used to be interpreted as overly religious because right. it was based it's on rigidity. Well, like, the, yeah. the point is, you need somebody like us that knows how to interpret the family history to see, see the yes, signs of the gene. Because there, there's definitely yeah. more to addiction than yeah. just here's substances. hope. Here's hope, though. Now that one in sixteen Americans are drug addicts and labeled <laughs> that by by everybody, we won't have this question twenty five years from now. But why? I, because, right. because everyone will go. Yeah, I had an, I, my grandpa oh. was an opiate. Everybody addict. will have a history. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. But I think um, I think in a lot of ways, anxiety being the underpinning of why we behave in ways that create rigidity, that compensates for the 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 anxiety and bringing that anxiety down. I think that that has a proponent in a family Lack of history. Control, though? Yeah, definitely feeling control, feeling out of control, or just having a basis anxiety. Maybe it's from trauma. Maybe it's from uh, family history. Uh, maybe it's and, a central nervous system. And, and uh, the way aspect. addicts experience anxiety is very different than not addicts. Is we, it? We, addicts anxiety connects to depression, and it's never going to go and away. For somebody like me, mm-hmm. anxiety is the opposite of depression. It almost goes towards men. What if you start drinking at the age of nine oh and doing boy. drugs at 13? Yeah, that's you're a drug addict. Yeah, yeah, that's well, but she says she doesn't have addiction. Well, that's a... She does. We can find it. That's the one to find Ask her what her family... That was the rest of her question. Yeah, ask her where her heritage Family mapping. She was adopted. If you're American Indian or... Irish, Scottish... The, Scottish, big, yeah, big, big, uh, big loads. Checks got big yeah. burdens. Hey, let's get <laughs> back to the anxiety to control issue. I got two doctors here. I want to ask you. I asked Shelly and all. Sydney did her spoke her first words the other day. Yeah. Uh, right. It was no, no, not that. Well, that's. that's <laughs> But Is that a bad sign, no, Doctor no, no, Drew? No, 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 no. I was nervous as hell. No. You're anxious. No, You're no, drinking. not that. No. no. Why, why would a kid not be the first words they fucking say? Because that's what you say all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I had triplets. I know. What? Paulina said, "Damn it." <laughs> Okay, so I'm safe. It's not a control issue, anxiety. Well, you're not, you're not safe. However, <laughs> there is nothing There's to hope. really wor- okay. worry about currently. Yes. Bruce, you didn't chime in. Is that a bad sign? No, not no, at not all. That? You have, you've given too many choices in the environment. So <laughs> you're overanalyzing it's not it. that one. That's just what there's okay. Okay. Ms. Producer, are you standing up because it's time for us to wrap up? Yeah, it, I hate uh, to do that. Oh, Shelly, I love you. We're going to come up with a oh, – we need to so find great. somebody. Shelly needs her own lead. show. Yeah, yeah, I'm in for that. Let's do it. You should, right? Okay. You want to do it? We're going to call it Addiction so. A-Team. Okay. That's it. Okay. Well, let's think about it. Was that your idea? No, that was that was Val's idea. Val? But, but let's think about it. Let's think about maybe in terms of the, again, how do you make it interesting enough for people to tune in? I don't know. Is, is Susan, is it interesting? For a podcast, I don't know. Facebook yeah. is giving a bunch of smiley faces and thumbs up, so I think so. Okay. I, it's well, somewhat interesting. Well, Drew, no, could you I can, do another podcast, another project? Well, listen, you need to come back and do more. I know you probably Let's have just make this life on. the four of us. I'm fine with that. Let's do that. But yeah, more podding would be good. <laughs> we can do it. I did. I, I over the break, I started thinking to myself, podcasting has the potential to really be a powerful force because it's the only place in our culture right now that people sit and listen and think and connect. Otherwise, yeah. it's just all this arousal stuff in the media. Yeah, it's slow. Okay. It's, it's slow. It's slow. I, I listen. I podcast is my meditation every day. I listen to all. I listen to Sam Harris. I listen to all mm-hmm. kinds of crazy stuff, and and I and I get enriched by it. It makes me think, and that's what we need more of right now. And so I think podcasting I, I has agree. a real potential. I would agree that it does have that potential, and I would also agree that maybe going always the way of like the sensationalization of media is maybe part. Part of the reason why meaningful podcasts aren't as popular. Well, it is because we might want to start engaging people on a different level. You're, you're of course correct. However, getting them there is hard, and and I understand. Well, let's work towards getting them there. I'll come up with a treatment plan. There you go. (laughs) There you go. But but the reason that the media is the way it is is us. And they make no mistake of about course. it. It's a market, and they mm-hmm. just respond of to course. us. Of course, and but with it, but underneath it is this growing body of people who are starting to think and connect and share. That's that centrist this, world I'm it, talking about, and it's growing. And I and I think well, let's I think do the more sun, of it. All right, done. Let's do more of it. All right, until more people. Until our Thank next, you so much. I completely adore. What was all the name of, of your you? uh, your Beller treatment? Beller core. Core is the fanciest place. God, I can't believe it. It's that. gorgeous, and then we have our pride program. Want to know a story about it? Do you know the story of the building? Mm-hmm. So my good buddy, Johnny Depp, 
had offices on Melrose. Paul calls me, her partner, says, come to the new offices I just he, rented. He's my I boss. Go I there. He's your partner. <laughs> he was our client. How about it's that? Great. And great. now he's started this whole huge great. thing. Him and Josh. Uh, uh, so I go to the address, and it's Johnny's offices. And I go walking in. I'm like, Where, what happened to Johnny Depp? And he goes, I don't know. He moved out, and I took over. So Johnny Depp's old offices on Melrose, where Pirates of the Caribbean was created, is their rehab. Yeah, I think it was a post house. Post-production wow. house. There was parts of it were. Yeah. There's parts a lot of, of it were. Oh, Johnny so you're Depp's sort of area. over by uh, what's the street? The cross street. Sweetser. Yes, yeah, yeah. well, All that yeah. area. That's all post heaven. There. That's all sound. Yeah, it was a post, post house, yeah, and and so now we have a we have an outpatient there. There was a smoking area outside. Let me tell you that had nothing to do with post. You know whose offices are also right there. Who? John Irwin. Uh, right. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Isn't that weird. Well, right. let's. Okay, ha- miss you guys. Love you guys. See you next time. Thank you. Oh, by the way, our friends at Hydrolyte, before I let everybody go, don't forget our friends at Hydrolyte. Uh, These guys make the best hydration product. You get the same thing as an IV. Oh, I need that. Here. Could I have some? See, with a, with so, a mouth. I'm yeah. so bad. Thank that you. stuff saved it's, my life when I had yeah. pneumonia, and yes. I'm like, yes. I forgot about it. Yes. It's, also. If you're sick, <laughs> if you're drinking too much, whatever it might be, if you're exercising, this has literally three times. Oh, I'm you, exercising. Yeah, three times or four times, something like that, what no. you get from a yes. sports drink. Four times from a sports <laughs> drink. No. need it for uh, alcohol abuse. So well, she but her patience, she patience. works out. Also, uh, remind everyone, uh, check out com. Get all the family podcasts over there and so you can see these. And though, don't forget our Facebook uh, also. Those of you on Facebook Live, I know you know about that. Get the Dr. Drew podcast, the Adam and Drew podcast, This Listen Life, podcast. Weekly Infusion. Listen to our podcast. Podcasts are the future, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to be on all the podcasts. You can. There you go. <laughs> We're gonna, we'll work in. Also, she loves Howard Stern. <laughs> I, I, oh, I want to be, I wanna be on all. You should all. be on the Howard Stern okay. line. Okay. Did you, you hear me on the after show? You can be regular on This Life. Ago? We'll have you back. Okay. Also, uh, Catherine and I are going to start a new health and fish, fitness this podcast so okay so let me know that you live are you so, just gonna live here in this hashtag room, you live either here or the other one we do the, the podcast <laughs> well, yeah, or corolla's podcast this or whatever life is, it, it's all encompassing it does this life is all encompassing imagine that imagine. <laughs> oh that's great so, and you live Susan. hashtag you live you live in this life if thank you, you need guys to find it thank you Go to Dr. Bye, bye. see you guys remember you can find all these podcasts at drdrew.com the Dr. Drew podcast, the This Life podcast, and the Adam and Drew podcast, which is available five days a week. Find them all on iTunes and rate us five stars. Subscribe and get it first. And if you're really happy, click on the Amazon banner at drdrew.com to help support the show. We'll thank you for it. If you join the email list via drdrew.com slash contact, we'll send you a weekly infusion newsletter with Dr. Drew's News. We're so grateful when you get in touch. We read all your emails and we'll bring you the subject matter you want to hear about. You live.